It is Friday. Good to have you here on 3 Now. I'm Kevin Thomas. He's Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. College football back again. Did you just have to look at the show notes for your name? I did. I'm old. It's Friday. I'm ready for the weekend. Concentrating on football. I don't even care what my own name is. I am. There's football this weekend, so I don't care. Call me whatever. And I'm sure there's plenty of you out there listening that do. Kevin said, call me what you want, but don't call me broke. Is that what saying that for a long time. I mean, for those who don't know, y'all, listen, you free Kevin, listen, before Kevin had the wife and the kids, you know, he was K-Sizzle. Now he just called it, now he just called himself K-Smooth, but the money's so tall, everybody gonna fall. That, yeah, that sounds exactly how it's uh, rolling at my house. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm glad it's Friday again. We got a whole lot of football coming up this weekend. We had NFL back last night, so that means we're one day closer to seeing uh, what Matt Ryan and company are going to do coming up on Sunday. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Obviously, uh, college football is changing by the minute. You had uh, BYU and Cincinnati. They're all out there slapping their Big 12 promo videos all over social media. So we'll get to, uh, we'll get to that uh, coming up. Uh, so now we know that by 2023, at least, I think Cincinnati and BYU are going to be in the Big 12 and maybe a couple others shortly thereafter at UCF, uh, depending on their conference arrangements. That leads to the Sun Belt having to put out a uh, message from their commissioner saying, well, you know, we feel like we're in a good shape, but we're always open to strengthening the conference. So looks like the Sun Belt, who has 10 members currently, might be trying to add a few uh, down the road. We'll get to that uh, coming up later in the show as well. We'll get to our game picks. On this Friday, let you know what Ben and I think heading into the college football weekend so you can put your money elsewhere on the other side uh, go opposite that. Uh, we always have fun uh, with that as well. But a big weekend, Ben, coming up. Uh, a lot of college football this weekend. And again, the 9-11 remembrances are going to be just absolutely special. Uh, 20 years uh, since that horrific day. And I know everybody remembers kind of what they were doing and where they were uh, on September 11th. 2001 and hard to believe we are 20 years from that but I know we're going to see remembrances uh, all across college football uh, tomorrow as I know Florida I saw on social media they're going to have the American flag and the Gators logo Navy and Air Force are playing tomorrow that's going to be just unbelievable uh, to, to have that on the, the 20th anniversary of, uh, of September 11th so a lot of remembrances going on and a, a, a somberness to the college football weekend uh, but uh, some good games out there on this on the schedule as well. Yeah, Kevin, it's it's, it's going to be selling that something makes the entire world stand still. Uh, you know, nine eleven. You know, nineteen uh, year old sophomore in bowling class. You know, just going about my day, looking up at a screen, seeing the words breaking news, and trying to and trying to really assess what am I watching. I actually saw uh, when the second uh, when the second plane went into the to the twin tower. And Kevin, you know. You're never prepared for anything like that. No, no, nobody is. But that's, you know, one one thing that really stands out about that day to me is I played with Carlos. I played with a uh, Carlos Perez and his brother. He works in one of the twin towers. He was off that day, and you know, it's it, it just it's just so many things. So, the, so those listen, nobody knew, right? But so to the first responders, to the survivors of those, first, to the, if you the family members. You know who had to, you know, uh, were one of the ones that lost their life. And we send our condolences to you. But yeah, Kevin, I mean, that's something that really shook. You know, I I remember. And, and another thing about that day was football got shut down. That's they shut that. Michael Strahan talked to uh, talked to the commissioner and told him, "Hey, man, 
we don't want to play football. And it trickled down. I don't know. I don't know if they didn't play football in uh, high school, but I know they didn't play in college. I know they didn't play in pro. But yeah, nine eleven. It's always, uh, you know, we're gonna remember it forever, Kevin. Everybody has their own, uh, you know, how they, how they, you know, how they felt about what happened, how they was affected by it. But yeah, we will never, ever, ever forget nine eleven, and especially to those who was lost to the first responders. I mean, people that really, you know, you talk about people that are, that are one in a million. Man, these people played the ultimate sacrifice, so we can never, ever say thank you enough. And I think it's kind of uh, interesting that college football is going to be the one uh, to kind of kick off a lot of the remembrances around the, uh, the sporting world. Uh, ben, as, uh, again, you think about it, the kids that were born on September 11th, 2001, well, they're in college now. They are, they are the age of the guys who are, uh, you know, juniors, seniors in college. So college football kind of remembering, uh, setting the tone there for kids who were just born in and around that time are now in college, the ones that are at kind of like the center of the remembrances for, for college football tomorrow, uh, kind of interesting there as we get to uh, what's on the field. Uh, ben, some interesting games. I know last week was really good for an opener with a lot of big games, but you have a top 10 matchup or top 15 matchup in Oregon and Ohio State this week. Washington and Michigan. Washington coming off an embarrassing loss week one. Michigan trying to prove that, hey, we can't compete with Ohio State. Interesting matchup there. And then, of course, you got, for the first time in 67 years, Iowa, Iowa State means a little extra. Both teams in the top ten. First time they're ranked at the same time when they've played each other in the history of that series, which is going on getting now close to 70 years. Unbelievable uh, matchup there in the Hawkeye State tomorrow. I believe College Game Day is going to be there as well. So week one was fantastic, but we've got some excellent matchups here in week two as well. Yeah, College Game Day always lets you know that it's, it, is, it is football going on outside uh, the great, you know, uh, the great part of the the Southeastern Conference. And and Kevin, look, going into the season, Iowa State was picked to be a party crasher, to be one of the, uh, the the final four teams. And Iowa is playing really, really good football. I mean, when you, whenever you get the in-state rivalry that early in the season, Iowa wants to play that party crash. They're not going to say, listen, Iowa State, y'all, if we ain't going, y'all ain't going. So all that, y'all got this high-powered offense, y'all got this big-time, you know, QB. No, we're going to go back to old-school smash mouth run. No, no, no. We're going to go back to old-school boring. <laughs> All right, Iowa football, and we're going to force y'all to play four quarters. But, yeah, Kevin, I mean, whenever you get a full off season to watch your in-state rival get all the ink in the paper, and you got to sit back and say, hey, we play some pretty good football over here too. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very, very good matchup. I think it's going to be, you know, come down to the fourth quarter because you could throw records out. You could throw all that prestige out. When I played you, when you're in my conference, in my state, man, it's it's, it's good. It's, it's that – is that is that old school football? Create a different line of scrimmage. Beat the man in front of you. Win your individual battles. And when the dust settle, let's see who's still standing there. Got a little bit of breaking news here in hour number one, Ben. So uh, we didn't know if we were going to get this officially or not, but within the last few minutes, Carson Beck going to be the starting quarterback for the University expected, of Georgia. Expected. Expected. You don't put a tweet out there like that. And so Christian's over here just like, like shoving it up in my face. Carson Beck's correct. No, no, Kevin. Like, it on. literally says in the tweet, expected. Okay, well, there you go. Be. Carson Beck's going to start against UAB tomorrow. How about that? Well, that's reckless, Kevin. <laughs> what does expected mean? It means he's going to do it. Expected means probably. Okay. I will, I will, you expect I will, me not I will to smack you in the head. I will say this. When you, I will say this. When you, it means to, I feel good about it not happening. To these compliance offices, to these uh, PR departments, you want to learn how to do damage control. You want to learn how to keep things in house. 
Ask Kirby Smart how to do it. We ain't listen. Hey, we ain't saying nothing. I'm, I'm a, listen. I'm gonna make sure that hey, hey Kirby, you got to put this out now. Like the injury. All right, Carson Beck is expected to play. That's not saying he's going to play. I'm, I'm not gonna do what Kevin's gonna. I'm not gonna say what Kevin said. But you ain't even know. You ain't even heard Carson Beck's name since he signed with Georgia. Now he's expected to play. I think it's a high. It's a high probability. Ninety nine point nine percent. That Carson Beck is gonna play. Now there is that, you know, 0.01%. But between you and me, JT, put your feet up, take another week off. You, 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 you ready you, for this in-depth this in-depth reporting that I'm doing here, Kevin, just yeah. diving into all the different stories from Mark Weiser of uh, Online Athens. He says, quote, from Mandarin high school coach Bobby Ramsey, who was Beck's coach in high school, my understanding is he's starting. Something about an oblique injury to one of the other quarterbacks, Daniels. So you got the old high school coach saying my guy's starting is the source. Okay, well. Do you want to go back to probably, or are you just still saying that Carson Beck's starting tomorrow? I'll, I'll feel like saying Carson Beck's going to start tomorrow. Ben I, like what, <laughs> ben, I like what Hudson Mason said on 6A The Fan, who is a former Georgia quarterback. Hudson Mason said if he's JT Daniels, the only way he's not playing is if they take his equipment out of his locker because you don't want that situation where you just you give that – coach the thought in the back of his head that oh well maybe this guy he's pretty good yeah I, yeah i, I mean, mean i mean yeah well it, it happened be, to it jacob was, eason no carson 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 beck is a good is a good player he's a definitely you know a big time prospect i think if you jt daniels that's how you play it i mean if you you know what it is you know what uh christian it's about perception now so jt it has to be a jt daniels spotting before the game, like somewhere on the field. And you see him kind of talking to coach, and coach kind of get real demonstrative. No, man, I'm not going to let you. All right. Because I playing, listen, starting in college football is precious. And those opportunities are few and far between. So if JT, I mean, I listen, I've had no bleak injury. It is rough, and I did not play quarterback. I do not have to assert myself like those dudes. But I do think JT Daniels need to kind of do some kind of you know, fake Twitter statement saying, "Look, man, fellas, y'all know if it was up to me, but he got to play. He, he got to play it by ear too, though, Christian. Man, you got to treat these situations delicately." But Carson Beck, uh, coach, I mean, he like my boy starting. I mean, I, yep, I told y'all he gonna be out there. So if it was ever gonna be a game you wasn't gonna play in, I think JT would get a mulligan for UAB. But had this been, you know, uh, Auburn, oh yeah, he's running out there, obliques and all. I don't care. I'm going out there. I know you are profiting this take. I got to have Christian step in here really quickly because Christian is out here with the. I mean, he's the the Vince Dooley school of previewing a game. No, hell no. Oh, this UAB is, is better than South Carolina. Like, uh, look, I, I'm I'm not no, saying no, that UAB ben, is not no, a good ben, team. But straight up, straight up, straight up. You play South Carolina, a team who is starting Zebulia Noland as their starting quarterback, right? and Vanderbilt, a team who just got boat raced. By ETSU. I'm not saying UAB is not better than Vanderbilt. I, I don't think it's hands down they're better than South Carolina. South Carolina, Kevin, they are two point favorite on the road against East Carolina. Brandon Sudge is on my team. Brandon Sudge. That's saying, fine, Brandon. You no, can be on his Brandon, side. You can be on his side. That UAB would beat both of those teams by two scores. Watch. Oh, Why don't I mean, we just I, listen, put it I like I like I mean South Carolina for one week they look they, they look they look good Beamer ball look good but look when you compare when you compare Eastern somebody, Illinois Georgia, hold on yeah but Christian when Georgia is the barometer I mean rough, that that's rough 
I mean, you know, it's like with South Carolina, unfortunately for them, looking good doesn't mean you're going to be good enough to beat Georgia. You can still look good. That don't mean you look good enough to beat them. No, we're just asking, who's the best team out of UAB, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt? I I think South Carolina might be a little better than UAB. Oh, my SEC homers. I don't know how that makes you a homer. Oh, oh, this this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to look at – I'm going to look at – I'm going to judge the South Carolina game and the UAB game the same. When the game was competitive, which is probably going to be early, I'm going to compare the two teams then. Because when it get out of hand, which probably ain't going to take long, then I'm going to just let it go. But when the, when the game was, you know, not you know, not, not, not up for grabs, when the game was still competitive, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge and see. I mean, I'm not saying South Carolina is miles and miles ahead of UAB. But if UAB played, Alabama, I mean, South Carolina, hey, I mean, I would probably go with Alabama. I mean, I'll probably go with South Carolina. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm just saying. Did you hear the I, Freudian I, slip that was happening there, Kevin? He said, if UAB played South Carolina, I would take Alabama. He didn't say but, Alabama, well, yeah. Birmingham, though. He did not say Alabama, Birmingham. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I meant, sorry, I meant USC. I, but no, Christian, look, I, I, I just I just think that, listen, Georgia, just like an Alabama, just like a, you know, a really, really good maybe uh, Ohio State. Whenever those, those teams are the barometers, you, teams always try to figure out, hey, man, we ain't as good as we thought. No, you might be good. You're just not on that level good. Like, you good, you know? I mean, so you just not, in, you know, as my granddad said, you just ain't good, good. So we'll see <laughs> We'll we'll see this weekend, though. I mean, UAB, they, they got a pretty good team, you know. Coach Clark, you do a good job with those guys. But you're going up against Georgia. So how good are you? You don't know until you play somebody not named Georgia. You don't know how good you are. Clemson thought it was good, too. And Clemson has not scored an offensive touchdown in 2021 yet. That's crazy. And we are off to a rip-roaring start here on Friday. It is expected. We will be back after this break uh, here on 3 and Out. We're talking Falcons. We're talking Falcons and Jags. When we return, it's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here on 3 and Out on this Friday. NFL is back, so a great game last night between the uh, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. What a way to start the National Football League off. Now you got the Falcons. Jags started off on Sunday afternoon. Falcons and the Eagles. Ben, what are you feeling here? You know, 320 on Friday. We've talked to a number of folks around the Falcons. He said, look, Arthur Smith's just doing his thing, man. He knows what's best for this team, and what's best for this team was not a whole lot of PT for your stars into preseason. I mean, I to me, I think I don't think it has to be 100% crisp, but you better not look like a uh, you know a clunking trailer going down the road on offense, uh, not able to get out of your own way. If that's how you're going to run the preseason in your in your first year again, if this was Arthur Smith year three, four, five, and you didn't have a lot, fine, whatever. But new system, new way of going about it. Want to know how it works with your personnel? I, I I'm I'm still struggling with this one uh, that they didn't at least give them some snaps in the preseason. I think, I mean, Kevin, this probably came down to the fact that, I mean, your starters are probably so much better than your second stringers that you didn't want to put them in a position to get hurt at all. And, look, everybody has a, every, everybody's going to have their own persona as far as how they go about doing things. So Arthur Smith, this is how he chose to go about doing things, but it better work. See, it used to be the guy that, you know, the guy that came before you was so bad, people going to give you a mulligan, they can't wait. Well, no. Because Dan, you know, because, I mean, I, I think when Dan Quinn did go to a Super Bowl, right, he just didn't win it. Did Dan Quinn ever show up the defense? No. Did Dan Quinn have high-powered offenses? Yes. So, Arthur Smith, one thing he does not have anymore is Derrick Henry. Do you got to upgrade the quarterback? Absolutely. 
I do think Matty Ice is an incredible upgrade for Ryan Tannehill. Problem is, we haven't seen, uh, you know, um, you know, Matty Ice on the field at all. We we haven't seen him. That scares me because you got a retooled offensive line. You got a solid left tackle. You got a solid, you know, you got, you know, you got, a, you know, you got a solid center. But across the board, your offensive line is patchwork offensive line at best. And Kyle Pitts, we know what he can do past, you know, uh, when, when you throw the football to him. How are you going to use him in the running game? Mike Davis, all I've heard is all these great things coming out of training camp. Well, I expect you to look, look good at training camp because they can say, quote, don't hit him. Let him run. Let him run. Well, they're not going to let him run at all come week one. And, and, and Kevin, it comes it's bigger than how you want to play. It's who you playing. This is not a good matchup. Philly, that defensive line, that interior defensive line, Darius Slay going to be probably uh, shadowing Ridley. I mean, I'm just I'm gonna be excited to see what they put out there, Kevin. But you know, just like I know, the Boo Birds <clears throat> are waiting. And if it looks bad and it looks bad consistently, we don't want to see no, you know, if the Falcons win, you don't want to see no, you know, 17 to, to, to 10 win because that's that's a long no. You want to see you want to see uh, moving the chains. How are you gonna use uh, Kyle Pitts in the red zone? Can you establish a running game and can you keep Maddie Ice clean? That's going to be a lot of a lot of question marks. Hopefully, they can answer most. Well, I mean, again, I, again, I'm not on the you know fire Arthur Smith after one game. I I just think that it's a fair question depending on how it goes. You're preparing for the for the Eagles, very good defensive team, and Kyle Pitts got probably went less than five snaps in a preseason. Your left tackle took zero. Your starting running back, who's going to be a feature point in your offense, took zero. Matt Ryan took zero. And you're expected now to go out and be a running physical football team. Right? What if that doesn't work in, in, in the early going against, uh, against Philadelphia? How do you adjust to that? And, again, defensively, I know they had some guys that didn't play a whole lot there, but what does this defense look like? moving forward because again we've seen what an Atlanta team looks like when the offense is good and the defense is just out there I, I think if this Falcons team runs the ball and can put points on the board fine I, I don't necessarily get upset about that that's the way you want to play I want it to look good if you're going to sit everybody uh, in the preseason for the most part and defensively if they don't cost you the game I think that's a win in week one quite frankly I mean I, again I, I guess I'm kind of disillusioned with the Falcons defense at this point that hey as long as they don't cost you the game and they can actually hold a lead a little at some point hey I, I, I'll consider that a win for the Falcons defense week one in my opinion I think AJ Terrell is primed to have a you know an incredible uh no second year in the NFL. I think. I mean, from all the reports I've heard, the Orlando and those guys saying he's 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 way more patient at the line, not really playing real friendly. Can Deion Jones get back to who he was when he was going when he was trying to get a big contract? Grady, Grady Jarrett is Grady Jarrett. Dante Fowler. They pay you to sack the quarterback. They pay you to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. That that that, that front four. They're going to have to earn their money this year because you might have to you might have to drop seven. Uh, you know, with with how, with, with this division, you saw. I mean, Kevin, you saw last. Last night, I mean, I mean Ezekiel Elliott and uh, you know Leonard Fournette, they wanted they want to wear number eighty. Maybe they can get the rock because they just throwing the ball around now. So if you that if you if you Atlanta's defense, can you make can you get some turnovers? Can you get off the field on third down? And can you force you know and can you force a guy like Jalen Hurst into some mistakes? You know, very very you know short uh you know short passing windows and things of that nature. Just get back to playing football. You got somebody. On each end, AJ Terrell, yeah, I get it. Year two, come on, Debo, 
Come on, Grady Jarrett. Come on, Dante Fowler. Because you got some young guys in that back end that's going to need that front four to get consistent pressure because DBs are not meant to cover anywhere. Anything close to four seconds does not bode well for any DB. I don't even care if your name is Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, again, I, I'm just interested to see what it looks like on Sunday afternoon because, again, if it looks great, awesome, Arthur Smith. You proved me wrong. I'll eat crow on Monday and say, look, I was right. But if this offense kind of looks like it takes – Two, two, three quarters to kind of figure out what they want to do. Wow. I mean, I, I think you start – I think it's a fair question to say what would you have done different in the preseason as far as that goes. Jacksonville, on the other hand, they've got Houston, not a great football team. Obviously, they're in Houston. Jacksonville's not a great football team, but certainly an opportunity for Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence to come out and and do something good uh, that, that looks like this thing is headed in the right direction against a team that you should at least be competitive with. Again, I'm not naive and think Jacksonville's – on their way to an AFC championship game. But against a team like this, you need to have, I think, take advantage of every opportunity you can to get a win. And uh, we'll see if Urban Meyer can do that. As you said, what's the totality of the scheme going to look like now that it matters with Urban Meyer and, and Trevor Lawrence? I, I think that's going to be at least a fun watch. Because as you've said a number of times, Ben, look, Trevor Lawrence might look good in his one or two drives in the preseason the last time out. At the end of the day, your wide receivers are okay. I wouldn't put them up there as the number one or two wide receiver groups in the NFL, but they're okay. Your line is not. Your line's maybe average at best. And your run game, you got a guy in James Robinson that maybe people are going to key on at least at the start with Trevor Lawrence. How does he adapt to that uh, when it starts, again, when the lights come on and it counts for real, and at the end of the day, you're you're, you're quarterbacking an offense that was 1-15 a year ago and had a lot of question marks. Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence got to think the same way, and that's simply don't try to do too much. Don't make stuff up. When you have, when you have as much success as both of these guys have, they think that that's how football is going to go. No, no, no. Like, Trevor Lawrence, is that he that dude. Never lost a regular season game. I don't think he's ever lost a regular season game in high school either. This kid does not lose very many. But the problem is he's always had the benefit of being on the best team too, not just being the best player. Urban Meyer at Florida, some pretty good teams. Ohio State, some pretty good teams. That's over with. You're going to earn every snap. You're going to earn every dollar. So as long as they don't try to do too much, it's, this is what gets you in trouble. Trevor goes, look, man, I can fit that ball in there. Well, throw it. Pick. You're not going to fit that ball in there. Throwing windows in the NFL are very, very small. Urban Meyer, you know, I mean, Kevin, something you talked about, you know, before the show. He's a gadget type guy. Sometimes it's not that you should get away from that. It's when you call him. Call a play like that. I mean, look, you didn't have nothing to do with the 1-15, but without going 1-15, you're not the head coach, and Trevor's not the quarterback. So y'all benefited from an atrocious team last year. But that's, but that's the problem. Your consolation prize for being the best player in college football is winning the Heisman going number one overall, and going to a bad team. So Trevor Lawrence, I do think he's going to show some flashes. But, Kevin, it's like with anything. The best pitchers in the world got to understand that people are going to, people are going to hit home runs off of them. How do you respond when you hit home runs off of you? If you are Trevor Lawrence, you're going to make some mistakes. How do you respond? And if you and if you Urban Meyer, look, man, when you wake up in the morning, don't eat no, don't eat no eggs, don't eat no toast, don't drink no orange juice. Take a humble pie and eat the whole thing. Just eat the whole thing. It don't supposed to taste good to you. Because the more you can humble yourself, the better coach you're going to be. Because sometimes Urban think, hey, man, we we got them, right? We in Jacksonville. No, you in the worst division, but you're also on the worst team, record-wise. 
You got a you got a 21 year old as your starting quarterback. Your average age is 25. You got Clavon Chase on, who he ain't sniffed the quarterback. That's your starting left defensive end. I'm just saying it's a it's a, they're gonna go through some growing pains. But if Trevor Lawrence just go out there and not try to do too much, Kevin, they got good a shot as any uh, to beat the Texans. Now, weeks two, three, and four, that, that's gonna that's gonna be a little different. But let let's just go out there and see like you know how this thing look for your NFL debut. It starts with the first one, and again, I, I again I think I think Trevor Lawrence will have a solid debut. Again, is it a disastrous debut probably depends on how the Jags defense plays and how much they have to throw to stay in the ball game but we shall see I think this is a good matchup for him week one with Houston we've got so much more to come here on three and out we'll talk some college football uh the SEC with a big weekend the Sun Belt what is on their plate uh in terms of not just on the field but obviously with all the expansion talk they are now uh, at least making statements about their strength uh as a conference so we'll get to that coming up in hour number two as well but we'll look at the week that's coming up here in the acc maybe a bounce back weekend for them it's three and out on the southern pigskin radio network yes steve spurrier duke coach bringing us back of those uh, blue devils steve spurrier did he always give the duke the uh, top 25 vote in his poll uh preseason no i think in the actual even when they were struggling while he was not there i think in the preseason poll he would always give duke a number one vote in the preseason poll. So they were always in the others receiving votes because – No, he doesn't have a vote anymore, but, you know. That, uh, that whole Charlotte loss, he might not have done that this year. Well, this is preseason uh, that, he, that he does that. But, no, the, I mean, again, the ACC this week, Christian, Ben, uh, this is a bounce-back week, I, I think, for them, or at least it needs to be. Uh, it didn't go well. You did not have a single P5 win of consequence uh, last week. Your big win was what, uh, NC State beating South Florida? That might have been the biggest one, potentially. Uh, and uh, I'd say Virginia Tech winning. But I was saying, I'm talking about out of conference, a, out of conference oh, games. Yeah. Con- yeah, I mean. I mean, in conference, I mean, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. You can't really judge it off that. But this week, I think you have a lot of winnable games uh, on your schedule. If it goes as bad this week as it went last week, obviously you got bigger problems as a lot of teams are taking even a farther step down uh, in competition. To me, the two games to watch, this week are NC State, Mississippi State, and Miami App State. Everybody else is, to me, playing a game, Clemson, South Carolina State, that they're supposed to win. Yeah, but NC State, Mississippi State, I mean, I think that uh, I think Coach Lee's better be, you know, he better be very, very careful because NC State got, you know, they got they got a good enough team to go out there and embarrass Mississippi State because Mississippi State still is not understand. Don't be such a one-trick pony. If the, if the passing game isn't working, you got to be able to go to I was saying, I was saying NC State is actually a favorite here uh, in Starbucks. Well, okay. so, it's I kind mean, of funny. I mean, it's kind of funny. And one game I did forget about was Pitt, Tennessee, that you have two ACC teams for as much as they were the laughing stock last week. You do have two ACC teams favored on the road at SEC schools this weekend, at least right now, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt. I mean, uh, Pitt at Tennessee is going to be a better game than people give it credit for. But once again, Tennessee wants to establish the run. Pitt does an incredible job of stopping the run. I think that, you know, we're going to we're gonna learn a lot about Coach Hopper and his offense. Are they one-trick ponies? Can they go to the passing game if and when the running game gets shut down? But, Kevin, I'm going to say it, and I've been saying it. Upset alert should be Miami. You don't think Al is good enough to beat Miami? You better guess again. This is not the Miami. Listen, is Miami more talented than Al? So, is Miami a better team to have? So, 
Who has had the most recent success? And that would be App. App is in that what? The Sun Belt. What do you stay away from? You stay as far away from the Sun Belt out of conference as you can. Not only will they beat you, they will embarrass you in your spot. Get on the plane. Give me my money. And we are headed, and you know, we and we are headed back up, you know, headed back north, you know, uh, North Kakalaki. But no, I, I mean, Kevin, I mean, I give the ACC a lot of credit when you when you start thinking about some of these teams. North Carolina State is not going to get the benefit of the doubt because they North Carolina State, not because how they play. If you talk about Pitt, Pitt can play deep. We're going to learn a lot about Tennessee, and like I said, I mean, you know, I mean, people be like, "Hey, man, we can't we can't get no sound bites from Coach Dorn." Well, yeah, Coach Dorn, he. He's a man of few words, but he let us, <laughs> he let us, he let the play do the talking. But no, I think it's going to be better games than people give it credit for. And I, and I said it a minute ago. I'm gonna say it again. Watch out for the app, app of Miami game because Miami's coming off a very because De'Aaron King has a very naive way of saying, well, you know, man, my Alabama wasn't that good. Well, they could have scored seventy. They just didn't. That game was over with. But. Don't have that letdown game against App because App is good enough to beat most teams in any conference, not named Georgia, not named Alabama, not named Ohio State, maybe Oklahoma and Clemson. Outside of that, App, they can, they can stand up to by, by any team in the country. And again, uh, Christian, you look at the, the, the teams this week, who, are you, who do you think needs a, a just solid win? I mean, and again, I know that everybody's taking a step back, but the conference took a beating in, in the college football, and, and as they should have, right? I mean, it was not a great week. Uh, for the ACC, who needs the biggest bounce back in in week two in your estimation? Uh, I mean, Duke. You don't want to make it two in a row where you lose to Charlotte and NC A and T. So I mean, maybe we start with the uh, the Blue Devils tonight. They're on at eight o'clock. Uh, I think there's a few teams that you're really looking at here. I think Georgia Tech. We were just talking in the break, kind of jokingly, Kevin, but Kennesaw State's coming to town. They're a playoff team, and they run the flex bone triple option. We remember what happened the last time a team from a lower division, came in that ran the flexbone triple option. The Citadel beat Georgia Tech on the flats. So I, I think Georgia Tech needs a big bounce back week. And then you want to see Clemson's offense get going, but that Miami-App State game, Miami was like, all right, we're going to play Alabama. We're probably going to get trounced, so we can come home and have a get-right game against who? Against who? Yeah, I don't know if that's a get-right Against game. who? App State coming to town? I actually have App State covering in this game. Derek King's a little bit banged up. Uh, you have some guys that are going to be out with some targeting calls. This this is not a get-right game. This is a don't-go-0-2 game for Miami. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Kevin. There's a lot of teams that need bounce backs in this one. Uh, North Carolina, they're playing a good Georgia State team that got smoked by Army. I was going to say, that, was that, that one's a game that looked maybe a little more difficult after. I mean, Georgia State did not look good last week. No, offense looked pretty bad, but also, again, Army's really good, and they run that weird flexbone offense. So, I don't say weird in a bad way. I say in the most endearing way uh, possible. And also... Last time Florida State's playing Jacksonville State, another one of those quote unquote get right games. Last time Florida State played sure. Jacksonville State, Jacksonville took Florida State to the wire. So, as much as we want to say this is a get right week for the ACC, I'm saying, but I think you need it, yeah. is, is my point. And, and again, Florida State's going to have to bring Notre Dame energy against Jacksonville State. I mean, and, and that, that, I think that's the, uh, the interesting part of all this is we make declarative, declarative statements, I guess, uh, from. Week one to week two where energy is different, atmosphere is different. Obviously, the vibes around teams are different. I would say there's a couple of teams, Duke, Georgia Tech, a couple. you would hope the atmosphere was different this week after you got uh, embarrassed in week number one, and a couple of teams that just need to bounce back. Clemson is probably looking at uh, South Carolina State. He's like, look, let's go out here, pick our score, and, and execute something offensively that we couldn't do last week just to get the confidence going. And so I think 
that's more what I'm. You're looking at some of these teams like let's get back to the way you know you if, can play and move forward. If South Carolina State or UAB score an offensive touchdown against Clemson and Georgia respectively, you think they're like printing T-shirts that say like was able to score a touchdown well, no, against but, but, but a here's team the thing. that Georgia couldn't? No, but but I think here's the thing about that. And again, this is why I always hate like the absolutes of like, well, we scored a touchdown on Georgia and you couldn't. I, I'm sorry. No, Kevin, you, I'm saying. Kevin, I'm, saying I'm sorry. I'm coaching. If I am coaching, oh yeah, at you're UAB, selling. You're I'm selling the lie. I get it. No, I get. It. I get it. But I'm, I mean, everybody that plays football knows the intensity and attitude with which Georgia played defense last week is not even going to be close Excuse to how they play. No, I, look. Did you not hear Kirby Smart's post-game interview that's with fine. Molly Rowe where he said, we got to go get ready for a real good football team? And I, that's fine. But I, I Are still, you saying there's going to be a letdown? No, I'm saying the intensity will not be the same playing UAB as you playing a top-five team. Uh, ben, are you like, no, no, listen, listen, ben, because look, the, the you also know you're going to be up like 30 to nothing at some point. It doesn't point. matter, I, I, Kevin. Okay, it's a fine. business. Just, short, just shutouts all the time. Yeah, that's, Ben, no, ben when, you, when you play Georgia versus playing Eastern Western State, there's no difference in intensity. Right? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, look, I, 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 was, I, would, I would say this. I would say this about, about, about Kirby Smart. And I, I give him a lot ben. of credit for this. No, no, I give him a lot of credit for this. Kirby Smart is under a different type of microscope. Kirby Smart is under a different level of pressure. And he goes, the same pressure y'all put. I'm not saying he cares about it coming from us. It's coming from an outside. But the little that he does feel, that's what he gives to his players. So he goes, dude, we don't play down to nobody. Because we got to pass the eye test every week. Every week we got to pass the eye test. And when you start seeing what Georgia did week one, I'm talking about Georgia defense. I mean, my goodness, get yourself some leeway. I mean, get yourself some wiggle room. Cause that was that was the best that was the best defensive effort I've ever seen uh, you know, Georgia have. But unfortunately, they can't have letdowns. And the defense gotta take it to another level. So, and I'm not saying they can't do that, but Kirby Smart being the head coach has a lot to do with the way Georgia plays. Every coach doesn't have, doesn't demand that level of respect and doesn't command that level of accountability from his team. But you don't play around with Kirby. I go back to when I got the interview, Kirby Smart, as they won the SEC championship. He was real cool. And I said, Coach, how you get them guys to do it? You know, how you get them guys to buy in? And he looked right at J.R. Reed. I'm like, I wish they I wish they would even open up his mouth at me. What? They're going to do what I tell them to, and they're not going to play. So I do that. I don't, the, the offense is one thing. You know, you know that's Coach Munkin. But the defense, please. They, what? You got, forget Coach Landing. No. You got to deal with Kirby, and you ain't trying to deal with the head man like that. Again, big weekend of college football coming up. They're all huge. But, uh, again, after the high of week one, I think week two is still going to have a very good mix of quality football games for you to consume out there this weekend. we still got so much to get to here on the show. Braves looked uh, exciting last night. They like hitting the homer. Uh, we'll get some interesting stats with that. Sunbelt, could they be looking to expand in the not-too-distant future as well? We'll get to that in hour number two. It is three and out on this Friday afternoon all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live ESPNCoastal.com, also live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel at ESPN Coastal on YouTube. Uh, baby Shark, I thought we got rid of that. I thought we got rid of that, though. It is three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and the off-key singing of Christian Gokel here on this Wow, you're just taking body blows. Why not? Why not? It's Friday. Got to have fun with... How long is that song, in all honesty? 
Like that could be like a thirty second song and just be done with it. Or it could be like a five hour song. It's the yeah, it's the worst song ever made, I will say that. Oh my goodness. What's tell me a song that's worse than that. There's some country songs out right now that are much worse than that. I don't know. I mean I that Applebee song? That I, Applebee song? No, but that's that has an annoyance factor like a hundred times. No, like like about Ben, how many Applebee's commercials did you get into before you wanted to put a brick through your TV? <laughs> it's but it's but it's all it's almost like they had like a monopoly on like every channel though. Like you couldn't you couldn't get away yeah, from no, it. it. Was horrifying. Thing, you know? I almost called the police. <laughs> I, I like listen, listen, I like I like the reason why I like Baby Shark is because Kevin can't stand like Kevin's like, look, man, like I like it because it got the whole world doing the Gator Chomp. Kevin mean, doesn't real realize real, real if he had fun. never reacted, if he had never reacted when we played Baby Shark, we would have never played it again. It's bad. Uh, to, to steal a line from Ben, whoever wrote that song needs to be slapped in the face with baby powder. And maybe something yeah, yeah, else yeah, yeah, even no, no, worse no, So, than Kevin, that. this is the thing. So, Kevin, you had, a, you had a random event and somebody says, hey, man, you the dude that uh, invented Baby Shark. Do you reach your <laughs> Oh, we it may not even take the time. <laughs> we may not even take the time to put the baby powder on the, on the hand. It might just hey, be hey, like, look, sir... And, and to those of you who think I'm playing, I think when they was doing the top 100 players of all time, like of all time, I think Steve Mariucci, Steve Mariucci like ranked like Diaz said like in the 30s, and Diaz just and Steve Mariucci knows nothing about what he's doing. Like, what you doing, Diaz? Diaz, like, come here, don't you ever? <laughs> hey, I'm in the 30s, so yeah. So Kevin, look, if you ever meet him or the, or or uh, who, or who, who who was somebody that was an inspiration, Kevin said it's on site. I won't say, listen, listen, I'm going to hit, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm say Kevin. And he's got his hair extra it. slick back today. I do. Kevin's got his hair extra slick back today. It's on. Because <laughs> you, you know, listen, no, no. He's aerodynamic Kevin, as hell right no, now. No, it's no, game no, day. Kevin, I have to have the game day Kevin, look going. Yeah, game day, Kevin is war ready. Kevin goes, listen, once I, listen, Kevin say, I said it, I forget it, and it won't move. Kevin got that Jimmy Johnson. That stuff ain't moving up there. And that stuff is nice. That stuff is He's got more of that DJ Polly D going on right now. Jimmy Johnson, Pat Riley, you know, just a few of the inspirations. Like Kevin could ride on a motorcycle right now and not a hair is moving. (laughs) In a convertible, drop top down, nothing's moving. It's probably true. Oh, so so somebody driving next to Kevin going, How do you how do you do it? It's hereditary. It's hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah, hereditary, exactly. And also a lot of chemicals. (laughs) Yeah, I will say I got very lucky. I, you know, my 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 family on my mom's side are all uh, follically challenged. I didn't uh, I didn't get that gene, thankfully. Not yet. No, no, no. I'm I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good at this point. Not me. All my mom, all like my mom's brothers, all they were all bald by the time they were like thirty, thirty one. So I'm well past that. I think I've made it past the. You're just gonna be a you know bald. I think at I'm the good too. You, I, yeah, you yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris, you good. Out of every, out of all the guys in my family, I mean, my dad has hair, I have hair, my nephews have hair, and and and, and after that, you know, we look like a whole bunch of you know milk duds walking around. It's just it's a lot, it's a lot of shiny heads. Leave Luke, leave Lucas out of this. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. There there are some people you see at a young age, you're like man, you have a nice head of hair, and then you see the ben. the hereditary uh, line coming, you're like, oh no. Ben, leave Lucas but, out of this. <laughs> We got more no, to no, come. No, 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 oh no, 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 we gotta go. We gotta go. 
We got to go. I'm, I'm trying to spare yeah. your brother more punishment here on the show. We got more to come here on uh, 3 and Luke out. Luke is 912 Also, Benedict in North Oconee. Christian and I will have the call coming your way starting at 7 o'clock with the pregame coverage. We'll come back. Hour number two right around the corner. Take three. Looking at the Sunbelt expansion and more here on 3 and out. Hour two here of 3 and out on this Friday. So much to get to. We'll look at Conference expansion always in the news. Invites have now officially gone out from the Big 12. Other conferences are responding to that. So we'll get to that coming up in about 20 minutes on the program. Also, the Braves. Man, they are fun to watch and played just another exciting one again last night. You and I have very different definitions of fun. That's just anxiety. You, but you, that's what you, 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 you labeled it as you wanted to say. The Braves played their most fun game of the year. But it is fun because they can match the ball all over the ballpark because they won and some uh, some interesting thoughts on that as far as what the Braves lineup looks like presently uh, coming up in that segment. But first, let's take three here on three and out on this Friday. Lay it on us, Christian. <clears throat> yeah, so just going back to the Braves. Yeah, it's just it's a just a stretch. Oh, it's take three. All right, <laughs> take one. Which rookie quarterback will have the best debut? Now there can't be a caveat to this. Because you can hold here because Justin Fields won't make his debut this week. I think there's so, a couple of guys that won't make their so, debuts this weekend. Well, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. But which quarterback do you feel like will have, rookie quarterback, will have the best debut? I mean, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Zach Wilson are obviously going to get the start for their respective teams. I know that Trey Lance is going to have some plays called for him out there. Mac Huh? So you got the Mac Attack up in, in New England? Yeah, yeah, you do, you do, you do got the Mac Attack. Hey, shout out, hey, hey, shout out, hey, shout out to the Alabama quarterbacks. Got three of them starting on Sunday. Mac, Jalen, and Tua. But for me, it's gonna be Trevor Lawrence because he's gonna get the most opportunities, and he got a he got a coach that actually wants to see him succeed. Zach Wilson gonna make some wild plays, but unfortunately for him, he gonna get the wild knocked out of him too. Because the thing about the Jets, they are not a good team right now. But, but, but Christian, something you said though. If Andy Dalton continues to do the stuff he was doing in the preseason, Justin Fields might make his debut tomorrow. Because you know the Bluebirds, they're already coming out in Shot town And Khalil Mack has already told Matt Nagy, look, man, I don't got time to be playing. I'm trying to get to a super-duper A-style, but that kid will give me the best shot. So for me, give me Trevor Lawrence. going to have the best opportunity because he's going to start every play, and they actually want him to actually go out there and look good in his debut. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence as well. I, I think it's going to be rough in – in the Jets. I can't go there. Mac Jones would be my number two, though. Probably because I think Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots staff will design a game plan where they're not going to ask him to go out and do something crazy. So, statistically, it might not be bad in terms of turnovers, but I don't think he's going to have like a 200-yard, 250-yard passing game either. I think it'll be modest by NFL, by NFL expectations. So, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence as the, uh, the best debut I think when Justin Fields gets to play, it'll be okay. I just don't know if it'll be as good as what Trevor Lawrence may do because also Trevor Lawrence playing a team that's also not very good. Right, Ben? I mean, Houston's in turmoil, so I think if you're not very good playing a team that's also not very good, you have the best chance to to have the best results. Kevin, we okay. have to. We, we're going to pause take three here. Okay. Actually, we can talk to the guest we have on the line right now. I'd say royalty at ESPN Radio. You can hear him here every night. The one, the only, Freddie Coleman hopping on 3 and Out here with us. Oh, wow. Freddie Coleman joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. So we'll ask the question we just asked 
With the NFL starting, which rookie QB do you think has the best debut this week? Boy, that's a great question, gentlemen. Number one, thank you for having me on. Number two, I don't know about royalty. I think people wanted to king me, then call me king. So let's go about <laughs> it from that standpoint. Uh, number three, I think the rookie quarterback that stands the best chance of playing well is going to be Mac Jones of the New England Patriots because Bill Belichick is going to put him in a cocoon in which he knows that the running game is going to be there, the defense is going to be there. He's not going to ask Mac Jones to do too much in his first start in the National Football League as a rookie playing the Miami Dolphins in a key division game to kick off the season. So I think he stands the best chance any rookie quarterback because the, the system that's around him, the playmakers that are going to be around him, and they're not going to ask him to go out there and win the game, but they're going to make sure he's not going to lose it for the Patriots on opening day. Well, Freddie, even sticking with that, I mean, outside of Mac Jones, which one of these rookie quarterbacks don't survive the whole season? Or which one of them do you think got Joe Burrow wrapped all around him because they don't protect him with them five guys up front? Well, I think you look at all the quarterbacks, whether it's Justin Fields in Chicago, I think that's the one because that offensive line is completely, completely ridiculous. And that's why he's not starting week one because you believe in him as a rookie, but you got to make Andy Dalton a sacrificial lamb against Aaron Donald and that fearsome bunch with the Los Angeles Rams that are going to play each other on Sunday. So that's the one quarterback that I believe is going to take the most lumps. It's easy to say Zach Wilson of New York, or the New York Jets because they're not a good football team, or Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but at least their offensive lines are a little bit better than what Justin Fields is going to have to play behind when it comes to Chicago Bears. Their defense is going to be really good in Chicago. He's got some playmakers that can help. But if he's running around for his life each and every play, you have to wonder how much of that's going to wear on him taking those kind of lumps in his rookie season. So, All right, Freddie. So every day at 4 o'clock, we do what we call take three. We just put out three questions that are totally random, just completely random, but, <laughs> but relevant at the same time. Uh, you just answered the first one there. So I, I want to run through the next two questions on take three here with you. Take two. And I got to get the music going again. Yep. What's the best trophy game in college football? Because we have the battle for the Cyhawk trophy going on this weekend. Oh, boy, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say the best trophy game, and I think because of the name, is Floyd Pig of Rosedale. Anybody can play for a pig as a trophy game, uh, that, run, that, that runs it for me. Because if you get the pig and the pig doesn't get you, then I'm all in on the Floyd Pig of Rosedale game. All right, take three here. Again, Freddie Coleman joining us. Take three. Will Georgia or Clemson give up their first defensive touchdowns of the season this weekend? Of course, Clemson playing South Carolina State and Georgia hosting UAB. Yeah, it's going to happen. That's just the law of averages from that standpoint. I could see South Carolina State getting a late-game touchdown when you got the second and third teamers in. I could see that happening. And I could definitely see that when it comes to Clemson in their ball game as well. So I think both of those things, both of those defenses, will give their first defensive touch, first down touchdown to an offense this Saturday. Freddie, college football obviously coming off a tremendous week one. What stood out the most to you uh, week one in college football, and, and how do you kind of take that, and what are you looking forward to in week two here? The two things that stood out to me. Number one, Alabama midseason form in week one. How does Nick Saban continue to do that where everybody else is easing into, the, into, into that season, and they put up a 41 burger on Miami. So that was the one thing that jumped out to me, number one. And I think number two, we might have to keep a better eye on the Pac-12 than we can. Got out SEC by UCLA. USC, I think, is going to be pretty good with Keaton Slovis as their quarterback. Arizona State should be a pretty good team. Keep an eye on Utah as well. And Oregon's got a major matchup going on the road against Ohio State. If they're able to win that ball game on the road in Columbus, we may look at the Pac-12 just a little bit differently in terms of competing for a spot in the playoff. 
And Freddie, I mean, I know it's only one game, but when you look at what's going on right now or not going on right now with LSU, should Coach Ogeron be feeling the pressure, especially coming off a five and five season last year? Hasn't really been the same team since that 2019 national championship team. You know how it goes down in LSU, guys, in certain football pockets that if you're not playing well to the fan base or the fan base is not happy with you, they will make a lot of noise. And it doesn't seem, it wasn't that far ago that they won a national championship. But I don't know if people expected this to be a constant thing in LSU when you lose so many dudes to the NFL that they've lost over the last couple of years. But if you're going to go on the road and beat a UCLA, you got to be a better team. And they look sloppy tackling. They didn't work in any kind of really rhythm on offense. That is something that Ed Ordron better fix because in the SEC West, Ole Miss is going to be good. Mississippi State's going to be improved. We know about Alabama. Texas A&M may be the second-best team in the conference, not named Georgia. If you're not able to fix that, it's going to be a long season in that part on the side of the SEC West when it comes to LSU and Ed Orgeron. Freddie, we were starving for college football to start, maybe more so uh, than any year in recent memory, just because of the weird year we had last year, no fans in the stands. Just We were so ready for this college football season. So with that, it's really easy to overreact from things that happened with week one for you when you're watching and you're hearing people lose their minds about certain things. What are a couple of those things from week one where you're like, all right, we need to take a step back and realize this isn't necessarily what we think it is. Yeah, Clemson fans thinking their team's in trouble. I mean, Georgia's defense is really good and they got up to their quarterback. So that was an overreaction. I looked at that and said, okay, let's just chill with that. Clemson's in the ACC. Nobody's really going to challenge them. They're going to be fine. That was that overreaction. I also thought another overreaction was in terms of what happened with Ohio State and Minnesota and C.J. Stroud. The overreaction happened early on, that the moment was too big for him. Then he throws four touchdown passes in the second half, not just saying he's a Heisman Trophy front runner and stuff like that. C.J. Stroud is good, and he's going to run to a bunch of Oregon players that are really good on defense, whether Kayvon Thibodeau plays or not, who may be the best player in college football. So those are two overreactions that jumped out to me that I said, okay, I get it. It's week one. You're passionate about your football team. But there's still 11 weeks to go where those two teams either right that wrong or make sure that wrong does not continue on, an incons- on a consistent level when it comes to C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Freddie, obviously leading into the season, a lot of talk about realignment as Texas and Oklahoma said they were going to the SEC. Now you got the Big 12 officially sending out uh, their invites uh, to put their conference back. We see some of the lesser conference, Sunbelt talking about maybe they're going to expand. Where does this all kind of end up uh, at, at the end of the day? And is is 14 a number these other teams are going to go to? They're going to try to match the SEC. How much of this you know, perceived alliance out there is actually – you know, a good thing. I mean, where, where do you think this realignment leaves us when it's all said and done? To a lot of people trying to make up for a lot of money that they lost last year because that's where this is coming from. That's why Texas and Oklahoma, who had everything they wanted and then from the Big 12, and they knew they could make more money in the SEC. So what were they going to do? They were going to go there. That's why the alliance got together. They want to protect themselves against the SEC. That's why the Big 12 poached three teams from the AAC and BYU no longer independent. I also wonder with all of this going on, at a certain point, what do you do, for example, if you're Notre Dame? Because more than ever before, they may have to think about joining a conference. Maybe they join the Big Ten. Maybe they join the ACC because they're in the ACC in every sport except football. All you got to do, guys, to find out where this is going is follow the money line. Trying to set effect. If you're Conference USA, you got to be worried about other conferences poaching your team. If you're the Mountain West Conference, the same thing. So if you follow the money line, that is going to solve a lot of problems maybe, but give you a lot of answers to questions that are still out there when it comes to potential realignment that is going to continue to happen in college football. 
Hey, Fred, I know that the Pac-12 has come out and said that they want nothing to really do with the uh, with the realignment or the, or the alliance. They want to kind of get the Pac-12 kind of you know on that uh, on that uh, path that they was headed toward before you even start about talking about realignment. But what hurts the Pac-12 more? The fact that you know the SEC just added Texas, Oklahoma, or the fact that DJU, JT Daniels, and Bryce Young are all from California and they all play in the SEC. Oh, the second one because you can't allow SEC teams or ACC teams to go into your backyard, especially when it comes to the quarterback position, whether they transfer out of their program, had to leave their home states and go somewhere else. You've got to do a better job of you to pack 12 to keep those top flight quarterbacks on your side of the country. And so far, when you're winning, kids don't mind going elsewhere. They don't mind going to Georgia. They don't mind going to Clemson. They don't mind going to Alabama. When you start winning and being a national player in the national football playoff when it comes to college football playoff, then you're going to stop seeing that exodus. But until that happens, plenty of kids know if I go somewhere else, if I go to Ohio State or somewhere colder, I'm going to win and make my chances and prove to get to the National Football League than staying on the West Coast and playing in the Pac-12, which is not lining up along the same lines as the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. Freddie Coleman joining us here on 3 and Out. And finally, uh, Freddie, after everything that's happened week one and I guess week zero a couple weeks ago in college football, all this discussion aside, has anybody got the goods to put a scare into Alabama at this point? It should be Texas A&M because Jimbo Fisher, he believes he has that kind of team, especially on defense. But until I actually see it, guys, then I'm just going to say that Alabama is over here and everybody else is over there. What did Dabo Sweeney call them? It's Alabama and the rest of y'all, the ROTYs. <laughs> right now they're more ROTYs that may not be able to not just beat them. Texas A&M should be able to do it. Alabama is just playing on a different level. That program's in a different galaxy, and they're still miles ahead of other programs trying to catch up. Freddie Coleman, our guest here on 3 and Out. You can hear me here on ESPN Radio every night. Freddie, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. My pleasure, guys. Have a good weekend and take care. Will do. Freddie Coleman, always a pleasure uh, chatting with him here on the show. As, uh, again, college football yeah. just rolling right along. You just never know who's going to pop in That's to true. take three, man. He, want, he specifically wanted to take three with us uh, here on the show, so – you we want, let that happen. Y'all want, we... want to finish it up? Yeah, go ahead. Finish it up. It? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just do it now. Oh, we're doing we're, it now? We're... Yeah, let's go ahead and do it oh, now. Oh, man. You're... I don't even remember what the question you're, you're, word you're, was. Was you're bleep we'll... it. We'll do it live. Yeah, we'll do it. Right we'll here. do it now. <laughs> Ask us okay. question two, whatever it was. Sheesh. This is like a fever dream. All right, take two. Best trophy game in college football. Uh, the, the egg bowl. I mean, bottom line. I mean, it's, it's got... a good one. I mean, hold on. You got the golden egg, but this is the day, though, Christian. Bigger than the golden egg, which is beautiful. It is genuine. You, they don't like each other. I was with the Raiders. One guy played for Ole Miss. The other guy played for Mississippi State. The guy from Ole Miss tells the guy from Mississippi State, he goes, I didn't go ask you what your grades look like. Cause I, well, that's why you wouldn't. <laughs> hey, listen, it was, it was crazy. It's almost like they saying, dude, you, they said, you didn't go to Mississippi State because you didn't get recruited by Ole Miss. You get to Mississippi State because you couldn't get into Ole Miss. So get out of there. So, yes, they do not like each other. A golden egg. Let's get it right, man. It's an egg ball all day. Well, there's a lot of good stuff that uh, people trade, uh, you know, swap around. I mean, you remember that Yukon, Central Florida, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. They made that up. But, no, to me, the favorite one, I don't really care so much about the game. Uh, but it is a cool trophy to play for, and that's Paul Bunyan's axe. I believe it's what, Minnesota and Wisconsin? I mean, it's a giant axe that, you know, I'm guessing it's dulled on each side. doesn't look like it is, but it's just a giant axe that they play for each and every year. And it's, uh, you know, then you got players after the game running around, holding it over their heads like, 
Well, this isn't a hazard at all. I think, but yeah, Paul Bunyan's axe is a good one. There's a the, bunch of ones. Like there's another one. It's the old oaken bucket. Old like, oaken what, bucket. what is that? Like Wisconsin plays for like five or six different yeah. trophies every year. Uh, you got the uh, the little brown jug is Minnesota and uh, Michigan for that one. Uh, but, you know, I got to look at this one. I didn't know this before today doing research. How about the Fremont Cannon between Nevada and UNLV? They literally play for a cannon. Nice. And it's not like a cannon like trophy that's like trophy size. It's an no, actual cannon. It's yeah. an actual cannon. They get to bring the cannon in the locker room, which could be problematic. Yeah. But I think Duke and North Carolina play for a huge bill. It's got, you know, wheels that rolls around and you like spin the spin the uh, the hand crank. And I also it, it like rings. SMU and TCU play for the cast iron skillet. Just the old iron skillet. Okay, I like that. Okay. Both nice traditions going on. All right, take three. Will Georgia or Clemson give up their first defensive touchdown of the year this weekend or both? I will, I will, I will go both. And, 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 and I'm not, I'm not even trying to take something out of what Freddie said. I mean, and Christian, you can, you can attest to this. The reason why both are going to give one up one, because they know they, they ain't going to come to get collectively and say, Hey dude, listen, the quicker we give up a touchdown, the quicker they'll calm down a little bit. Like, cause we, we've shown how great we can be, but sometimes a great defense will make an average, off, average offense play better. Because y'all so freaking good, we had to elevate our play. And we talking about a touchdown. Four quarters, a touchdown. Yes, they're going to give up a touchdown. It's not going to mean anything. But they are going to give up a touchdown. And at the end of the day, if UAB gets a touchdown against Georgia and it's against the fourth string, I don't care. I'm going home and I'm saying I did what Clemson couldn't do. And if I'm at South Carolina <laughs> State. T-shirt. And if I'm at South Carolina State, you know, and I score against Clemson, I'm going back. Listen, I'm going back to Orangeburg. And, listen, and I'm saying, y'all saw what we did, right? Yeah, we lost 70 to 7, but who scored the 7? That would be your boy. Put some respect <laughs> on that name. I, I think it's, if I'm leaning one way or another, I think it'll be Georgia because they're playing a better opponent. South Carolina State. They might kick yeah. a field goal, but I don't think it's going to be in the end zone. I don't think they're going to get one in the that end zone. That one's going to be rough. Yeah, I think uh, you're, you're getting a mad Clemson team this week. Good luck with that, South Carolina State. What do you I, think? Like, I think UAB will punch one in at some point. Maybe they won't, but I mean, usually when I make declarative statements like that, it doesn't happen, but I think UAB will put one in at some point against Georgia. A duck declarative statement? A declarative statement. I thought you said a duck declarative no. statement. I thought you were making a pick for the, the Oregon and Not Ohio yet. State we'll game. do that in the final hour of the program. I'm then I might up, make a declarative statement. I'm trying to look up <laughs> what the, U, the UAB's offensive coordinator's name is because what do you think? Ben, what do you think Brian Vincent's uh, face looked like when he was having to watch that Georgia Clemson tape? Um, he was, I mean, he was trying to hold the technology, uh, like mess up. So he didn't have to watch that. Man, this thing ain't, this click ain't working, man. No, no. You know, what's crazy. You know, what's crazy. No, there's an easy you answer know? to that, Ben. I'm just focused on us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here, no. here it is. Here it is. Here it is. No, you, you know how, like, you got, no, no. You know how the first thing you do, if you, the, if you, the OC, they go, Hey man, what? It said the Clemson rushed for two yards. Like, why don't y'all give me the real stats? That's it. They rushed for two. Wait, 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 wait. Clemson rushed for two yards. Yeah. I got to go in here and act like we could got a shot against it. Oh my freaking god! <laughs> it's, Fri- it's Friday, right? So I mean, yeah. perfect for a Friday Night Lights quote. You know, when it comes to the sideline of the state championship, like, I already tell you what's happening. Like, well, they're big, they're fast, they're mean, and they're big. They cheat, and they're and, and they're fast. He's like, you, you said that. Like, I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like that's what the UAB offensive line they're going to be saying on Saturday. It very well could be. That's take three. We do it every day at this time. We'll come back. Much more to come here. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll get to the very latest in college football with conference expansion all out there in the news yet again. But the Braves going bananas again last night. Will Smith making it interesting. Uh, Braves winning it in extra innings. And thankfully, the Colorado Rockies came up clutch in the late innings and beat the uh, Phillies. So the Braves now three and a half games up in the National League East, Ben. So uh, now they've got a weekend series with the Marlins uh, do the Braves, so a chance to try to continue to play well and potentially extend that lead some more. Kevin, at the end of the day, this Braves team is finding a way to get it done with the bats, right? I know that I know that BJ was on here say you win with starting pitching. Well, unfortunately, our starting pitching ha- can't play the whole game. You got that <laughs> Will Smith gets a paycheck, and you got to let him in the game. But – I mean, Kevin. I mean, are we are we saying that Snit? Do, do Will Smith got some dirt against Snit? Because he runs him out there. And Kevin, I want to see I your know. reaction when they run him out. When they, Kevin, are you saying, all right, all right, just don't run him out there, he is. And, and 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 there he is. It's like, I mean, Kevin, what do you well, what do you attribute it to? I mean, I understand that you know he's in a he his confidence isn't there, but they run him out there like he's good. Yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing is at this point is it's it's been a tricky for, for Brian Snicker. I mean, Richard Rodriguez has not been bolstering my points uh, where, hey, man, put him out there in the ninth inning. I think the last two outings he's come in, he's given up a two-out homer uh, during his time out there. No, I, it's just frustrating uh, with the bullpen not finding that overall consistency you like. Hopefully you get that here in the final month of the season. But uh, Christian and Ben, I, I think something we're, we're seeing, though, is this Braves team can mash the baseball. And I know it hasn't always been I, – if I, if I quote these numbers, these guys haven't been on the Braves team the entirety of the year. But presently, follow me here with the math. Eight guys play in the field every night minus the pitcher, right? Presently, yep. the Braves could have seven guys at the end of the season on this roster hit more than 24 homers in a season. That is amazing. Freddie Freeman's at 29. Austin Riley's at 29. Albies at 27. Dansby Swanson's at 26. Ronald Acuna, you forget, he hasn't played half the year. He's at 24. Adam Duvall, albeit some with another team, Adam Duvall has 36 homers this year. Jorge Soler has 23, and he's got 10 of those with the Braves. So I know not all of them came with the Braves, but heading into the postseason, you may potentially be looking at six guys playing for lead, you uh, with over 25 homers on the year. They lead the National League in home runs. They have 211 right now. The yep. next closest are the first place, San Francisco Giants at 208. And the only team with more than them in the major leagues, the Toronto Blue Jays with 217. So you're six off the major league lead in home runs. And, th- and this is good, Christian, but it's also a bad and thing. Like, I- so you're talking about Jorge Soler hitting a lot of his home runs, not with the Braves. Right. Still the Braves. He's hit 12, yeah. yeah. So I mean, Or 10. But I, I, I look at this, and, and this is what would be concerning if I'm a Braves fan. The Braves can mash the baseball, right? It's, it's they undeniable. They damn singles. They, saying, right. They can mash the baseball. You're talking about getting into the postseason. I saw the stat last night on the broadcast. 49.5% of the Braves' runs have come off of home runs. So half of their runs have come off of them hitting the ball over the fence. That, to me, is a scary stat when yes. it comes to the postseason because that means you are very hot or you are very cold. Uh, and that's why we see the Braves team score eight, nine runs a couple nights in a row, and then they score two and one, and they can't seem to put anything up on the board. It's been very boom or bust from the Braves' standpoint. But you talk about a power lineup. 
you could have seven, excuse me, minus Acuna, in the postseason, you could have six guys who in current season, albeit some of them with other teams combined, will have hit over 25 home runs apiece. Six out of the eight position players you field out there will have over 25 home runs. That, that is amazing. But it does concern me for the postseason if that offense goes away against better pitching that you're going to see in the postseason. I mean, that's going to have to be their mainstay, though, right, Kevin? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, Kevin, you have to, you have to let me know how, how similar, how similar is this Braves team to the Kansas City Royals team that beat the Mets? Because the Mets had the pitching staff that year in the World Series, but the Royals just, you know, I mean, the bats was just on fire. I'm not saying this Braves team is that, but if they're going to win in the postseason. I don't think we. I don't think we bet in the farm on the pitching staff. I mean, well, I, I, I don't see that being it. I think the starting pitching staff to me is good enough to win you games. As you said, I'm not betting anything on the Braves bullpen to get me through the end of the game. That's what's very scary. So, I think the starting pitching is playoff good. I think the offense is playoff good. I mean, maybe even historic for the Braves in terms of overall power on this team. It worries me those other innings. You know. Luke Jackson's looked good. He's maybe been the most uh, consistent. Tyler Matzik has its moments where he looks good, and then he'll fall short. Uh, Richard Rodriguez, I was, you know, pushing hard for him. He's kind of looked shaky as of late. And, of course, Will Smith, we know what his issues uh, have been with the Braves. So, to me, that makes me nervous heading into the postseason as they come down the stretch. But the Braves have the Marlins coming up tonight, starting off a weekend series. Hopefully a chance to make some more hay against a team that, again, is down there struggling in last place. Or, well, they're a game above the Nationals, but near last place in the National League East and the Braves three and a half games up over the Phillies. We'll come back. College football, you're not even two weeks into the season and expansion. Still the talking point out there. We'll get to the very latest there when we come back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Uh, conference expansion just continuing uh, out there as well. Ben, you look at the, uh, the Big 12 today. I mean, and the Big 12 Conference is already put it out there hey we extended invitations which at, at this level of business you get the invitation you accepted before you open the envelope uh, but Central Florida Houston BYU Cincinnati going to the Big 12 that's going to happen some of it by 2023 how much of that gets sped up I know people have said hey we're going to honor our respective agreements with our current conferences again we know for a fact that Texas and Oklahoma trying to get to the SEC ASAP how much of that, you know, legal paperwork and other gets worked out to make Central Florida and others maybe potentially join earlier. But as of right now, it looks like 2023 before a couple of those teams could join the Big 12. That led to, obviously, going and getting teams from other conferences. The commissioner of the Sun Belt, Keith Gill, coming out and saying, look, we like ourselves as a conference. We're positioned in a good spot. We're competitive. We are the only G5 conference to have two teams finish in the top 25 last year. We're the only G5 conference to have two teams in the top 25 right now. We are going to continue to monitor our conference. You know, all that nonsense of, yeah, we're going to look for teams to make ourselves stronger. The, the question now would be, uh, Ben, if you want to move on and say, hey, we're the Sun Belt. We want to become that next elite G5 conference taking it over from the MAC, the AAC, which obviously is going to take a hit with this merger uh, of, of sorts. Where do you go? Where do you go to, to make your conference better? Because right now, Georgia Southern, very solid. App State is uh, certainly solid. Coastal Carolina got national recognition. Louisville, or Louisiana, rather, has been very solid uh, for the last several years. And you've got some programs like Arkansas State and others who have been uh, legitimate 
uh, contenders and have competed very well, if not beaten, P5 schools uh, in the not-too-distant past, Troy being another one who's got uh, you know P5 wins on their resume. Where do you go uh, to make, make your conference better if you're going to do it? I, th- I think I think you start in South Florida with FIU. I think that's a team that could definitely help you uh, boost your, you know, because Kevin, when you think of, when you think about now, it, it, it's it, it's showing that geographic location don't matter. It's where you are on the map. So okay, you want to be in the state of Florida, so give me FIU. You want to be in the state of Texas, so you want SMU. You know, you want Liberty. Uh, you know, you want uh, you want Southern Miss as well. Because the thing is, the thing about Miss, you want you want places one Kevin that don't got NFL team. So you think about Mississippi, Southern Miss, no NFL team. You just got to be able to compete recruiting-wise with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Jackson State maybe. You talk, you talk, you talk about SMU. I, I mean, Kevin, I think they're a long ways away from uh, having the death penalty. I don't think nobody's getting, you know, brand-new cars these days. But I, I, I think I think if you I think if you the Sun Belt, you also be asking yourself, you know, you know what, you know what can we benefit from being in different places, man? Look, Liberty to me, I'm, I'm surprised they named just now coming up. Liberty is an incredible football team with an incredible fan base. So I just think that Liberty, what SMU, Southern Miss, FIU, I think that I think that'll be valuable because once again, Kevin, bigger than who you want, if you're not getting invited, because I know you were talking about. I know you were talking about, you know, uh, the Big 12 and who they're trying to get with Cincinnati. You see, well, it, that's a done deal, it shows, yeah. It shows that your brand is being noticed by other conferences when you're getting the invite. Because nowadays, because because what does it say if you got to call them, hey, uh, who is this? Yeah, man, this is a, this is us, you know, down here at FAU. We want to, no, we good. We want FIU. You know, we don't want FAU. So I think you get, you got to get your team in the state of Florida, got to get you a team in the state of Texas. You can get Southern Miss in Mississippi, you can add a Liberty. I think I think that's a slam dunk, Kevin, because I do agree. The Sun Belt is the premier uh, G5 conference out there. Ain't nobody trying to deal with those guys. You add those guys with Louisiana, with App State, with Georgia Southern. You know, I mean, I, I mean, with Coastal Carolina, yeah. You all up and down the coast, and you in Florida. Now you in now you in Texas. Now you in now you in Mississippi. I think that would be a slam dunk. And I think I, when you talk about expansion, it is what can someone bring to the table. And I think uh, Christian, you and I were talking uh, off air about. You know, it doesn't matter where you are geographically. It matters where you were are. Were you talking about no, that, No, no, no. You and I were. Were no, you talking I about I wasn't. That? I wasn't. You were. Sorry. I bow down to your omnipotence. All right. Anyways, <laughs> no, that Kevin, being said. Kevin no, still rides for geographical conferences. In this, in, in this situation, y- yes, I do. Because I, I think in, in the Sun Belt, it's about, one, where you are, yes. Kevin, there's but, the sun everywhere, so you can put it anywhere. All right, fine. I don't care about the name, the sun belt. I care <laughs> about where you are. I think it's about where you are and what you bring to the table. Because I think a a team oh. like a, a conference like the sun belt, you don't want to add teams that are in media markets that aren't, I think, good. You want to, to me, I think you want to add to the competitiveness of your conference as well as some of those things. And if there's ways to do that, you do it. But I don't think you say, hey, well, this team is in – you know, this city, therefore we want them, but they're really not good at much of, of anything athletically. I don't know. I mean, again, I think for – I wouldn't say this if I were talking I, about – no, I'm saying I, I wouldn't I say think, this I, about I'm a P5 going, conference. I'm not going where you I would think say I'm this going. for a G5 conference I'm where not, you want to bolster I'm not your going where you think I'm going. on-field resume as well. I'm saying I think it's 90% what can they bring to you as a product. Because That's what I'm saying, yeah. The one you've mentioned over and over again is SMU, and – SMU's super okay. They'd be a middle-of-the-pack team in the Sun Belt. I would rather have Liberty 
come in and, and right. be a part of my conference because I think with the prolifer the proliferation, excuse me, you know, French fry. I don't know you're going to bring me in here. Proliferation of college football through streaming, right? ESPN Plus sure. has like it used to be. You either have like if George was playing UAB in years past, you would have had to buy a pay per view. Or just listen to it on the radio. Now, you if you four ninety nine a month, and you can watch all the college football you want, right? With that, I don't think it inherently matters as much how big the quote unquote media market is. I mean, think about the schools we talk about as the biggest schools. Ben, outside of the University of Florida, well, I'm not looking at it as outside, a media market. But outside but of the University of Florida, what's in Gainesville? Uh, Steesburg, you know. Okay. Uh, New grill. So what you I'm know, saying is, I think it's bigger for the Sun Belt to go get a team that makes football better in the Sun Belt versus looking for a media market or looking for something that makes sense geographically. But I, I will say this, though. I will say this. I do think in the Sun Belt, it matters more how much you have to travel than for sure. uh, Power 5 conference because that money's real when you have to travel across the country. But I, but my, my point kind of with the Sun Belt, and again, I'm not in charge of it. I understand your points, uh, certainly on that, is... I think you have a multi-levered, uh, layered kind of situation there where if you're the SEC, it's a pure money grab. Who expands the bottom line? No problem with that. I think for a, a conference like the Sun Belt, you want to expand your footprint a, a little bit and bring in teams that actually bring something to the table, I, I think. I, if you can do both, that's great. To me, I say SMU. Why? Because of Dallas. Not necessarily because I think SMU would be a special point in that case. You get Dallas. What's in Dallas? An awful lot of football players that might be attracted to playing in your league because you now, hey, we have a home game every couple years there in Texas, maybe two home games or two games to Texas, Texas State and and Dallas. It gives you that in terms of a recruiting ground in Texas that I think would help the conference. Liberty, I I agree. Even that I don't think matters so much anymore, man. I think it's now it's like because of huddle and because of the way – the internet has completely changed recruiting. I don't think recruiting base inherently matters anymore. I think it does matter when you're talking about you versus the SEC, which is why Texas can say, hey, we were starting to get our butts kicked by Texas A&M because they're looking at those TV games where it's, yeah, I can play at Texas and maybe three, four games a year are going to be nationally televised versus the SEC for the most part. Every game, Georgia's playing UAB, they're on ESPN2 this weekend, right? Every game you play in the SEC is going to be national televised, but at the Sun Belt level, at that G5 level, I don't think recruiting bases is quite that big. I don't think Georgia Southern recruits Texas any better because they play SMU. I mean, well, I mean, again, that theory's never been tested. Do they recruit Alabama better because they have a couple teams from? I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm just saying. I think Southern Miss, to me, is a program that has a lot of potential, not just in football, but other levels uh, as well. And it gives you a new... How much did Brett Favre pay you to ride for Southern Miss? Nothing, I'm just saying, but it gives you a new state. Did he pay you in copperware? Yes, 100%. But it gives you a new state that you had nothing to do with, really, right? I mean, so I think that just adds more to to the bottom line. FIU would be... I think FIU was in the Sun Belt at one point. Could you get him to come back? I don't know, but again, you currently have... No teams in the state of Florida. It's true. Uh, which, either. Which, so, which, is cra- I, which is crazy. So I, I, I mean, no, I, do, I, I think with the Sun Belt, no Christian and Kevin, I think they got to do both. Like, you got to be able to get teams to do both. Like, like they might not do it. They might not do it together. Liberty gives you that credibility from a football standpoint. Liberty is a good freaking team. SMU gives you a location. Southern Miss gives you a location. And FIU gives you a different location because perception to, the, to 17 and 21 year olds, it matters. 
If you in the state of Florida, you say, why would I go to FIU, man? We, who do we play? I mean, we, we, we can play we can play in Dallas. We can play in Virginia. You know, we can play, you know, I, I think that I, we can play in North Carolina with App, you know, Louisiana. We got two, we got, we got two uh, top 25 teams not named App State. That's how good the Sam Bay is right now. When people think, oh, two top 10, when you're talking about App State, Louisiana. No, I'm talking about Louisiana and Coastal. App State ain't ranking the top. So I, I do think that one, they're going to have to do this sooner rather than later because the longer you wait, the more teams are going to want to stay where they are. And then you got to pick from, you know, you got, then you got to be like, you know, catering to people you don't really you know want. Who they need so FRU, why not? You know who they need to why go not? after? Huh? Florida State. Like Florida State, you don't want to play in the dang ACC. What do you make? You make $10 million a year every year for being in the ACC? We can cover that. Sunbelt, go get Florida State. Like Florida that's, State, you don't want that smoke That's no just more. disrespectful at the, on a Friday. We've got more to cover hey, here. It's like playing in the Metro League again. You're good. we got more to cover here, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you here on three and out, Ben. Christian has given me the go-ahead because RG3, who's calling the Georgia game on Saturday, said it's now highly likely that Carson Beck is your starting quarterback. So I can say that. We've gone from expected, possibly, maybe, highly likely, Carson Beck going to start. Unless they put a U in in front of likely, I'm going to go with highly probable. So, yes. I mean, listen, I don't know why why they're trying to protect. That's the same thing. No, did Carson Beck do something to somebody? Like, Christian, what's going on? Like, it's a possibility. It's a high probability. It's highly likely. I mean, I'm saying, is it a fifty percent chance of rain? Are you a meteorologist? Are you telling me who's going to play? Like, is he going to play or not? What's Jesus, going on here is game. Kirby Smart is just looking at his SID is going. So I don't have to tell him. And they're like, nah. And he's like, all right, cool. I'm not telling him. Then. Well, just uh, well, just do like everybody else. I think wasn't it uh, NC State and South Florida? South Florida's like, no, we're not putting out a depth chart. And so NC State's like, fine, we're not either. And as a matter of fact, yeah. we're not going to do it at all the whole season. Those guys are so edgy. No, I'm saying, but I've, it's becoming more and more uh, commonplace where teams don't put out the depth chart and tell you who's starting. They're like, well, if they're not doing it, I'm not doing it. Yeah, because who could use that to do their job better except maybe, you know, like the people who cover your game and keep well, people's I'm, eyeballs on it. But, you know, hey. I'm just telling you. Bleep them, right? I'm just telling you that's the way it's going. Ben knows I mean, if he's starting or not. I mean, listen, listen. I, I, I've never, I've never heard so many adjectives used for a young man in my life. Highly probable, highly favorable. No, this is no. You know, Kevin's I, talking about Dave Doran. I hope you're listening because this is ridiculous. We go to SEC media days. We go to ACC media days. And what does every coach say when they go up there to give their little spiel? They're like, "Listen, before I get out of here, I want to say thank you to everyone in this room because without you guys, without y'all developing the interest." In our sport, we wouldn't be standing here right now. So, you know, every single person here in this room, I want to say thank you. Fast forward a month. Oh, Dave Dorn loves doing face. it. Don't ask me about my quarterback. I'm not going to answer any of your damn questions. These questions are stupid as hell. I'm Dan Mullen. <laughs> I'm Dan Mullen. Did one quarterback quarter- controversy Did we talking about? quarterbacks clearly look better than my other quarterback? Absolutely. Cole <laughs> Kubelik, did you just ask me a perfectly respectable question? Sure. But I'm going to roll my eyes and freak out like a 12-year-old because I'm Dan Mullen. Get out of here. No, I, no, no. You, no you, you, do, you do make up a great point, Christian. I mean, with all this talk about how you, these coaches always want these players to be able to stand up there and deal with it, you can't even tell us. You can't even – Answer a question, and 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 when people say, "Hey man, don't take it personal," how does a how does a coach take it personal? And say, hey, "Coach man, who's the quarterback?" What you say? 
What? I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. So not only am I not supposed to ask questions that the, I'm not asking questions for me, I'm asking questions for the viewing public that get to, I am the medium between them and you. Yet, you got $1.5 million. And guess what? You are a, it starts with an M and ends with a C. I'm going to let you fill in the middle. It's ridiculous. That stuff is ridiculous. It's like <laughs> you are a grown man. And now Kirby Smart said, I don't got to tell him. I ain't going to tell him. Not That's what do it. Come to. Don't have to. Not doing it. That's the end of the day. we got another hour to come here. Talking SEC. We'll get our picks in the final hour as well here on 3 and Out.